Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, um, I'm going to pray for the offering, and then um, and then those connection cards, a couple highlights I wanted to give you is um, the missions trips. The reason we do missions trips, they're not tourism trips. Uh, there really is uh, a need where we're going. And uh, here at Branches, we would like everyone to make it their goal to go on at least one of these. Not one of these two trips, but somewhere where you leave the country, even if it's just Mexico. We have trips that we do in Mexico. Um, but somewhere where you leave your bubble, leave your fishbowl, and get to see God move and to see God move through you to others and see others move in you. And it's something that you can't explain. You just have to go through. So we want you to do that. Also, the Branches Dinner, um, that's for anyone that wants to get more connected or learn about where did this community of faith come from and where are you guys headed? You kind of scare me. So you may have been around for a long time or you may be, this is your first time here, but it's a way to come and learn more. Um, We eat together and it's a way to get more connected or a way to make the decision, no, I'm not ready to get connected with you weirdos. So, But the only way to figure that out is through being with people and the dinners is another opportunity to do that. So I'm going to pray for the offering and then um, I'll show you where we're going this morning. Father, we, um, we hand over all of this to you, not just the finances, but um, our hearts, our prayers, we offer them to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh, where we're headed this morning is we've been talking about renovation. That's what we're doing for Lent. And for Lent, uh, we are looking at the reality that we are a house of God. Uh, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus has taught us. And also, as we've been focusing on that Paul said in 1 Corinthians, um, we were bought at a price and that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is another way to say we're God's home. And that he he created us for that purpose. And so I was uh, down at uh, T Street and I was driving by and I saw uh, one of my old surf team kids and Young Life kids, uh, Matt Gann. And when I saw him, I said, dude, I saw the video that you made. He's a filmmaker. And he made this amazing uh, film. And I said, that's perfect for what we're trying to talk about, taking the old and making it new and being born again. And uh, I was there when Matt made a, a confession of faith and saw him walk. And, and um, I actually don't know where he's at with his faith at this moment. But as I was driving by, I told him all this. I said, I love that film you made about that guy that made that board. And I said, I want to use it. He goes, you can totally use it. And so I want to show that to you this morning um, as another way to visualize and to explain where we're headed. But even deeper, more important in this series on renovation, that you would look at what this guy um, creates. And what Matt told me was, he says, I'm pretty sure he's a believer. And I think he, was, he did this as an example of what God does in our life. So uh, if you could show that video, that'd be great. This is called Storyboard. I don't want to say too many words because I think the video did it itself. But think about that. Those were pallets. <laughs> You know, the kind you're like, oh, I need to burn these up. Like, those were broken down, ripped up pallets that he turned into that. What can God do in us 
And that's what this is about. This is us coming to that decision. Do we believe that God said, I can make all things new? And do we believe him? And so two weeks ago when we started this series, the first Sunday in Lent, we talked about the body, the idea of renovating the body, um, the mind, the, our diets, our sleep, our schedules. Uh, and then last week we talked about our friendships, our relationships as they're drawn together. Um, so this morning, if you could grab the little orange paper in front of you, because that's the card for this morning. And it has a statement, it says, is your, and it says, blank, holy. For this morning, the question is, is your house holy? Your house. The word is uh, oikos in Greek. And oikos just means your house, your literal house, or your household. We're talking about both this morning. We're trying to be as practical as possible. And the verse that is guiding us, there's several that we're going to bring up here, but one is the greatest commandment. And the greatest commandment is kind of the umbrella verse for all of what we're looking at with renovation. And so there's several places where it appears. One is in Matthew and one's in Luke. Uh, And the Lord was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's something really important to understand. To love the Lord your God with all, A-L-L, all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That word all is a very tricky word. All means all. It means everything. It's not a tricky word. It's very simple. It means everything. So when we're talking about is your body holy? Is it set aside for God? Are you loving him with that? Does it belong to him? Um, your friendships, your relationships, do those belong to him? By doing that, it makes it holy. So today when we talk about your house, is it holy? That's what we mean. We had a, um, a family here that, that most of you know because of how they live. And so they moved into a house. You know what happens when you move into a house. Uh, whether you're renting it or whether you're buying it, you have to make it your own. And so when they moved in, you know, you always wonder why the person before did that because they're ridiculous. They, they're so dumb. They shouldn't have done it that way. So you have to redo it, right? You have to renovate it. You have to remodel to some degree, whether it's paint on the wall or like this family, they ripped out everything down to the studs and started moving walls. And they asked each of their children to pray and to think of a verse or find a verse And once they chose that verse, they were going to write it on one of the studs. And so throughout the house, they wrote on different studs. And every member of the family wrote the verse that they felt was important onto that, you know, stud. If you don't know what a stud is, it's not a a man who's very macho. A stud in the house are the wood beams that are behind the drywall that you never get to see until you rip them off. And so they wrote on those studs, and then they prayed. And when I asked the dad about it, he's like, well, that's all we did. (laughs) Like, he felt like, oh, we didn't do enough. Like, no, you, you dedicated your house, your literal physical house, you gave it back to God. Like when we have the dedication of a child, you're taking that child and saying, look, this is not my child, this is the Lord's and I'm raising this for him. And their house, when we call them saying, hey, is there any chance we could do this over at your house or that? They, they always respond the same way. They go, well, it's not our house. Yeah, I mean, that's why we got this house. When we prayed through it and looked around, we bought it. Because we knew that it was going to be his and the way he shaped us and we need to use it for those purposes. Their house is holy because they made a decision to set it as holy. And um, 
I want to invite up the La Casa boys. So uh, this is Josh and Aaron. If you could welcome them up for me. And uh, Rex can't be here. Rex also lives at La Casa. Um, and I was just caught BT's eye. BT just graduated from La Casa right here. <laughs> gave, him the, gave him the finger, the, the good finger, by the way. <laughs> um, it's a La Casa thing. So the reason I wanted these guys up here was um, when uh, about six years ago, the Lord put it on our heart like, we should move into the neighborhood of Lozanha, which is the people that live there, the locals that live there, call it the barrio. Um, we didn't know if we could say that. They're like, why are you living in the barrio to these guys all the time? So that's what they call it. It's right over the tracks in San Juan. And we said, you know what? That's a beautiful place, beautiful people. But there's like these walls between these cultures. And it shouldn't be that way. That's not how it is with the kingdom of God. And, but the idea just seemed too far-fetched. Like, how are we going to pull this off? And uh, while we were in El Salvador, uh, I met this guy named Miguel, who's a pastor living in this little small house. I was with Dave, actually, Dave Jansen. And this man's faith was so amazing that by the time we left, I was like, we can do this. We had no money. We had no house, no furniture, no one to even move into the house. But we started moving in that direction. Well, let's see what God can do with a house that's set aside for him completely for his purposes. And, of course, just like he did with Miguel, God shows up. And so uh, we have this house. And the whole purpose of this house, it's a missional community. Now, when I say it's a missional community, well, let me give you our definition. We took some other definitions of how other people frame this, but this is our definition. Um, A missional community is this. It's a group following Jesus, choosing to do life together, who demonstrate the gospel tangibly tangibly means that you can see it who demonstrate the gospel tangibly and declare the gospel creatively to a particular neighborhood or pocket of people that definition is no different than the hodge family who redid their house and wrote on all the studs that's no different um, than the guys at la casa and it's no different than this church Think of this definition as as a definition for our church. A group following Jesus, choosing to do life together, who demonstrate the gospel tangibly and declare the gospel creatively to a particular neighborhood or pocket of people. So for them, it's in Lozana. For us as a church, it's it's South Orange County, as far as people want to be a part of this community. Depends on how far people want to drive. But eventually the line stops. Um, For our family, we... Through this whole process, I've realized we did not move into our neighborhood to love our neighbors, which is pretty common, right? We pick our house. We go, well, this works for me. They've got good schools. And through this whole process with La Casa, it's been um, convicting, not guilt, but convicting. Like, Lord, well, how do you go backwards? How do we do this? So I wanted these guys up here just to help us think through this. What does it mean to make your house holy? Because they moved in in the beginning with that understanding. So I'll start with that. What was it like for you guys the first time you moved in? What were some of the things that seemed different than your usual living situations? I'll, I'll go first. Uh, so when we were going to move in, uh, the, the house had not been renovated. And uh, it was not encouraging at first sight. There was... Uh, 
forecast. But we got to speak to E&I uh, and the other guys at the time got to participate in that remodel. And uh, when we walked in, when it was all fresh and new, um, it, was a, it was the first time that I was coming into a place with a purpose beyond just having a place to sleep. You know, a college student in a dorm room or a guy in an apartment. Uh, and I didn't know anybody in the neighborhood. And it was the first time that I was coming into a place and other people met me first. Um, where I, I always was kind of someone who instigates with other people. And uh, I think the first person I met was actually Maria uh, downstairs. And she's like our grandmother. She's awesome. And she met similar thoughts. Uh, when I came in, you know, I, being an introvert, like, it's a really scary thought to move into a place for the purpose of neighbors, you know, because I'm always the guy who walks to my house with my head down and closes the door behind me. Um, but then looking at this verse, you know, love, love your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and then it refers to the neighbor as something as close as your heart, your soul, and your mind, like, well, that's, that's tough for me to digest. How do I love my neighbor? I've never done that before. Um, but like Josh was saying, um, they they came and met us first, and that's what I kind of discovered is like for for me to feel like I'm loved, I need someone to you know take that first step, someone to greet me, someone to to grease the skids for me, um, and I realized like that's all we're doing here is just showing that you know we're we're there to love, we're there to learn, and a lot of times all that takes is greeting your neighbor uh, for them to feel like. Tough for me to come in at first, be an introvert, but um, like Josh was saying, it's such a welcoming community that uh, the Lord just kind of formed everything for us. And one of the reasons I wanted these guys to share is because uh, they live in a house, but they don't own the house. And um, although they don't own the house, they're there for a particular purpose. And some of us can look at them and go, oh, well, that's not my situation. It doesn't matter. You still have a house. And even if you don't have a house, you may have an area where you sleep. You have a place that you kind of congregate. Is that place set aside for the Lord? If you have the ability, are things put in such an order that you've said, God, how do you want this? Including where do you want the couch? I know it sounds weird to say that. Like, does it really matter? But for you guys, how has the house been structured for his purposes? Like, I actually, <laughs> you were kind of surprised when you came to the place. So what have you seen done before you got there? And what have you done to the house, the physical house itself, because you feel like you're supposed to for the purpose of loving God and loving others.
designing the house, which if you walk in the house, it doesn't look like three single guys designed it. It, it looks really nice. And the whole idea with uh, the furniture and the dining area, and we have an office, um, and everything was designed to be welcoming and designed to be a place where people could gather and a place where we could invite people in and they would feel like they were welcome. Uh, part of that ongoing is keeping it clean, which again, for single guys, it's not the easiest thing. Uh, but it's it's not, I've lived with other people before and it's, it's this huge chore, you have to like convince people to clean. structures that we have in the house is we always have a community from the outside coming and meeting with us and pouring into us like we have Dr. Norton come and meet with us we have Boogie come and meet with us we meet with each other uh, we meet with our neighbors outside come back and talk about us so there's just always this idea that we're always learning and that's the La Casa motto you know learn and love and that fits perfectly with this verse from Proverbs uh, that's in the outline here uh, it's Proverbs 24 verse 3 and 4 it says by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So through all these conversations we're having with other people, through the community that's coming in and pouring into us, that rare and beautiful treasure, which is love, is then built. And having a community of people is something that I didn't think would be that important about living in a house. but. It's, it's incredible to have us as roommates come together once a, meet, once, a, once a week and meet and just talk about business things. You know, those things that, those quirks that we have about living with each other that we can just hash out right then and there. You know, BT always got on me for not emptying out the coffee grounds and stuff, and Rex gets on me for smelling laundry. So we take care of those things right there, and then the rest of the week, you know, it's just fun and games, you know, uh, loving each other as roommates. So uh, that's definitely a, an awesome structure that we have that fits with the structure of the house. You know, we have a library, we have a really welcoming womb-type living room that's conducive to that community. Womb. Womb. It's a thing. Nice. <laughs> Do you guys call it the womb? I've never heard that. No, no, uh, Jess, the designer of the house, can testify that it's like a womb <laughs> living room contributes wow. to the community. It's true. Anyways. Uh, but, yeah, so there's that kind of informal structure of community that just a lot <laughs> Allows us to be sharpened and sharpen one another and uh, ultimately to love, love on each other, to love on people that come and to love on our neighbors. Um, could you share what you shared about the, the difference? 
how you, by living in this house and by looking at that verse, how looking at the greatest commandment is different, how you used to look at them separate and... So as the two of you have um, been living in this situation, which is different probably than prior living situations, because it's very intentional, and if we're talking about having your house be holy, by that word holy it means that it's just 
it belongs to God. So what, ha- what else has he shown you in the neighborhood? Like, what have you seen by living this way that you might not have seen before? Because I've heard both of you share so many different stories, but a few of those stories that you could share of what you've seen in the neighborhood. Um, I, I keep going back to this, but it's just the main thing that I've learned so far, and it's just the inclusion that we've experienced in the neighbors. I mean, when I first moved into the house, like, being intentional, interacting with neighbors, that honestly seemed kind of like a chore, like a stressful burden on my introverted self. And I realized that when I go out with a plan, thinking, oh, I'm going to hang out with these kids in the alley and play some soccer. There's no kids there. Or if I say, oh, I'm going to go talk to these people today. They're not there. But it's times when I'm totally just doing my own thing, but the Lord just puts these opportunities in front of me. Uh, for example, yesterday, I was just out reading underneath the tree. and Wait, were you really reading underneath the tree? I was reading underneath the tree. That like, sounds like something somebody makes up. <laughs> like, that's in books, but you never I, think, I was, you just chose a tree. It was a beautiful day. And what were you reading? Sat, so we know uh, this is true. Sacred Canopy by Peter Berger. Sociological elements for women. For a class. Okay. Anyways. Dude, if you hadn't have said that, everyone would have been so impressed. Uh, so I'm sitting beneath the street, people say nothing's happening. And uh, this guy that we've kind of gotten to know, uh, Bookie, he doesn't speak any English really. Wait, what's his name? His name's Bookie. Bookie. What a dumb name. <laughs> I mean, Boogie. That would have been a name, but Bookie. Something's kind of, something's not right, and these, these girls come up and they hug him, like they're, they're kind of caring for him, and he looks at me, and his eyes just start welling up with tears, and I can't communicate to this guy, he can't fully communicate to me what's going on, but through my limited knowledge of Spanish, he, he expresses to me that there's been some deaths in the family. who haven't told me things that deep about themselves. And this guy, who doesn't even speak my language, who's just a neighbor, comes up and, and shares that with me because he knows, he knows that the Lord has sent us here. He knows that we obviously have a purpose in this community. I can't do anything except hug him and you know, hold his hand through the process as he's, as he's crying. But it's like, man, if... If we have this opportunity in the neighborhood to have our neighbors pour into us, when it's not something we plan at all, when we just go and read under a tree and the Lord just brings these people to us, like, whoa. So that's, I, I forget what the initial question was. <laughs> Doesn't just, matter. It's, yeah, it's just something I come back to is the love that the neighbors have shown to me and to us that has enabled us to at least feel like we have some sort of purpose because... Coming in at first, I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I still don't, but it has been revealed to me uh, through our neighbors, and that's just incredible. It's it's not a community that I've ever experienced anywhere else in my life. So, yeah. um, something different about our, our neighborhood than than other places I've lived is I, I've always viewed, even growing up, my my neighbors were. see it, uh, the neighborhood is, is one group of people. 
course, it's made up of individuals. But if I meet people who are living there in the community, I automatically feel connected to them. And I automatically want to invite them over and have dinner with them and get to know them. Uh, and it's not just because that's our task, but because it's, it's my joy to do that. It's, I feel, um, it, it's, I love that. I'm going to ask you guys some more questions, but um, I want you guys to grab your phones. No, you don't hear that often. If you know how to text, grab your phone right now. Grab it, please. And then I want you to enter this number in. This is the branch's Google number, 949 So 949-441-0502. And I want you to be able to ask questions to them with a little bit of time that we have left and so you can enter those in and i can't get to all of them but if you have any questions practically like okay so how do you deal with this if to, thinking under the lines of how would i make my house holy these guys are living in this situation where they're intentionally living together for the sole purpose of loving god and loving their neighbors and doing it together and caring for each other while they're caring for the people that live next to them what does that look like so any questions you may have that weren't addressed or that you may have um, you can throw those in. Uh, one of my questions for you is, because to me it's overwhelming, you know, watching the La Casa, I don't know whether they call it an experiment or whatever it is, but to see this lived out, it's intimidating to me to be in the situation right now that I'm in where I didn't move into my house to love my neighbors. We did it for a family member and, and all of that, but now that that family member's not there, it's like we're starting over. Like you started... You moved into the house understanding the vision. 
So I get overwhelmed with that idea of loving my neighbor and loving the people even in the house. And how, so how do, you, how do you balance that? How do you find the line of when enough is enough? Like we've been talking about the past several weeks um, and not get overwhelmed. Like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. Like that's not a healthy thing. So how do you figure that out? Um, well, that, that psalm that you have on the outline there, Psalm 127.1, which says, Unless the Lord fills the house, uh, the builders labor in vain. Um, and coming into the house, I didn't know what to expect, but after realizing that, you know, this, this is a holy house. We, we come together in the name of Jesus in this house and pray that he will have an impact through us on this community. And it's only through that that uh, we are able to have positive uh, relationships with our neighbors. I, I truly believe that. Um, but finding that balance is tough because I expressed that when I initially came in, like, oh, yeah, I have to go interact with neighbors now. Great. I, I'm obligated to do this because I live here. But after living there for a long enough time and being surrounded by people who are just pouring the Lord's word into me, like, knowing that God is doing everything through us. Like, we don't have to be, we don't have to have these detailed plans about what we're going to do because anything that is good that's going to come, it's going to come from the Lord. Um, and I think that's really important for me and us all to remember, just to know that the Lord works through us. And that's incredibly comforting and stress-relieving because the burden's not on us. We, we just testify about the love that we know through Jesus, and he does the rest. He builds the house for us. He builds the relationships for us. He's the laborer. We're just here. He's working through us. And Getting that through my thick skull is not an easy thing to do, but it's it's happened through through people and through experiences that the Lord has provided me with. But um, and I think that's where the balance comes from, just realizing that the Lord is going to provide us with things to do. It's not us doing anything. Yeah, we facilitate here and there, and we you know make our time available, but it's all from Him. And um, I think with that comes a natural balance. You know, when, when you're out there walking and Nothing has presented itself. You go back and you, you rest. You, you do things. But there's other times when you know that the Lord is calling you to do this because it's, it's apparent. It's obvious. Um, and so I think finding that balance has kind of been a passive thing for me. You know, just lift it up to the Lord and see what he has done with it. Because I sure as heck can testify that trying to do it my way didn't work first. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of come naturally I, I like something that you just said there that I want us to hold on to. When we talk about is your house holy or is your body holy, you, this is super important in this whole process. You do not have the ability to make anything holy. That's very important for us to understand. Like you can't work and do things to make something holy. The definition holy means that it belongs to God. And so that's really all. So when we say, is your house holy? It's another way to say, have you handed it over to God? Because you can, oh, I haven't done enough. I got to do more because it's not holy enough. Like it just, like that's ridiculous. That's impossible. The idea of holiness, when we say, is your house holy? It just means that you've handed it over. And when he shared the passage from Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those of us who are working are wasting our time or the laborers are, are working in vain. It's another way to say, look, we can't make anything holy. It's God that does it. Um, I just made eye contact with someone else at our church that um, they, they got a house and such a cool house. But they were really stressed because um, they said, we want you to come and pray and bless our house. And I was like, well, 
I'm just telling you already, your house is blessed because I know you two. And you bought this house, much like the other family I told you about, you bought this house to love your friends and your family and your neighbors. And it's already blessed because you've already handed it over to him. I, I don't know any special juju blessing prayers to give it, but I'm excited to pray with you in the decision you've already made that this house is not yours, that you've bought this for him to use for his purposes. And that's a concern to you. You shouldn't be stressed. You shouldn't just remember unless the Lord builds the house. So you're just saying, Lord, build the house. This is yours. We just live here. Such a great approach. Um, there are a few guys have sent in texts, um, but I want to make sure we answer this question before we leave. You're not going to live in La Casa forever. I mean, I don't think. So eventually, so what? what is that? Someday, um, you guys will have girlfriends. Uh, someday, <laughs> you'll be married maybe. Someday, you may have children, grandchildren. Like, knowing you guys, have you thought about what it looks like then through this experience, what you would hope for for your future household, your future oikos?
where I'm going to dedicate my family and my marriage, future marriage, towards this, towards learning and loving. Because like I said earlier, it's not just about this outward uh, service, but it's also something that I'm learning so much about God's love by what I'm doing um, outwardly. Yeah, I, I second that definitely. Uh, the one thing that has really struck me um, that I've noticed about the community that I want to include in my future living situation, whether it's by myself or with a spouse or with a family, is moving into a community that can sharpen me, that can offer me new things to learn because the, the Latino culture has just taught me so much. And having, you know, Boog and PhDs and different guys come in and teach us things, like, it's, it's just offered me so much. Living with Josh has offered me so much. And me wanting to be a teacher and having the opportunity to work with Mocha Elementary School shows me that, okay, some of the gifts that God has given me might be teaching others some things as well. So just having that, that give and take of, of different gifts that we all have, and you see it in the community here, everyone has different things they're bringing to the table. Um, that's just so fulfilling and um, really, really key for me in just identifying a future living situation and seeing, wow, this is a place much different than I'm used to. How, how is this going to change me? And I'm much different than what they're used to. How am I going to change them? Is that going to happen? I hope so. I think it will uh, based on my time at cost thus far, but that's just something that I kind of want to keep my eyes out for. Um. One of the important things that I've noticed a theme here, and some of you recognize it too, is that there's this idea, well, how do I share the gospel with my neighbors? And then what we immediately think, I remember Macho thinking this when he first moved into the house. So do we go door to door or do we like, like we need to get them to know Jesus? And no, I remember going on mission trips when I first started and I didn't get it. Like, that's not loving them. Like the theme for the, the house is to learn and to love. And it's basically from um, dorks like me that made a bunch of mistakes and tried to have an agenda. And it's really like when I think of, uh, of Nordy playing um, beer ball, beer basketball, he's just hanging out with friends, just getting to know them with no other agenda, but just to look, care enough about them to see them in their eyes face to face and get to know them. Um, some of the stuff that they're interested in is totally boring to him, but it doesn't matter. He values them enough to, to learn what's important to them with no other side goal or agenda in it. And then as things develop and you care about people, you naturally want to do things for them. When I see the ladies out here. When, when a lady's having a baby, I all automatically hear these ladies go, <gasps> she's got to have a shower. And all the boys are like, oh, please don't invite me. But the, the ladies that are invited to this thing, they're like, they want to be there because they want to care for this person. Not because, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. We have to do this. It's like this, it just comes out, out of you. Um, there's this idea, uh, I'm, we're, we're doing stuff at our house. And I'm like, oh, we got to rip up the carpet. I don't know how to do this. And my brother-in-law just cares for me. He's like, I know how to do that. We're going to do that. And I'm like, no, 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 you got stuff. And he's from Missouri. And he's like, dude, it's what we do. We're family. Like, I want to help you with this. I'm like, no, 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 that's what you do for a living. I'm not going to have you come and work at my house. He's like, I don't think you get it. Like, this is what family does. That's what it's about when we talk about how do you love your neighbor. You just get to know them and be with them. You don't have this set plan of what you're supposed to do. You just get to know them 
And stuff's going to rise out from within you to love and care for them. Um, and then to finish this up, is your house holy? That is something that you will never feel like it's enough. And I know I said this before, but I feel like we have to say this again. With your body, I'm not, I'm not healthy enough in my body. With uh, my house, it's not holy enough. If you've invited God, it's enough. Um, I, I, I'll use Josh as an example here. Um, you'll be working with Josh because he's such an extrovert, but he also feel, he sees the neighbors around him and he cares so much about them that he wants to do more for them. He's like, I'm not doing enough. Like, I'll hear that come from him and my schedule's out of control because I'll come home and they invite me to this party. I have to go. And I'm like, who said you had to go? So oh, I need to. They just need me, you know. And there's a eventual where he's gotten to the point now where he has like guidelines in his life. Like I need to be in bed by this time, and I can only go to so many of the parties because in this neighborhood there's a lot of food parties. Um, luckily, he has a very high metabolism, so he hasn't exploded. Um, but sometimes you you're all going to sense this. You're never going to know how far your influence goes. And so I want to close with this. Aaron doesn't know that's coming. Neither Josh. Um, but Josh was on vacation. We told him, you've got to beat it. Like, you've got to take a break. And so uh, he had to do a work trip for Young Life, and then he took off for another two weeks. So he was gone for a month. And can you just kind of describe what it was like with him not being there and the absence with the neighbors? Well, first off, whenever I talk to him, they're like, hey, hey where's Josh? I haven't seen him around. <laughs> Great, glad you're here, glad you're happy to have me here. Um, but no, it was, it was really cool just to see the, the love that they have for this guy. And they notice when he's not around. And it got to a point near the end of his vacation, he'd been gone for like a month, where one of our neighbors, who loves him a lot in particular, was uh, not in that way, like just, you know, <laughs> type love. Came out wrong. Uh, but she's like, is, is Josh angry with me? Like, I haven't seen him in a while. And I was, I was like, no, 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 he's, he's gone. Even even if he gets back and he hasn't seen you in a few days, he's just getting his life back in order. Like, it's, it's not anger that he's feeling towards you at all. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just really encouraging for me to see the impact that he's been able to have uh, over the time he's been there. Um, because they just, they love this guy. And he's definitely part of the community, and they look to him. Um, as a light, as a mentor. In fact, I was talking with one of our neighbors yesterday uh, whose son hangs out with Josh a lot. She's like, man, I'm so grateful for you guys. Just having you guys as mentors for our kids, like, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, so, yeah. That's cool. Um, if you could stand with me, we're going to close with this. Joshua 24, 15. And in this passage, um, Joshua says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. And then he goes on, he gives examples of other ways that they could serve things outside of God himself, you know. And you could think of all the different things that your house is serving. You know, because let's be honest here, when I moved into my house, the purpose was to serve um, our sister-in-law. We wanted to provide a place for her and, and... that came out of the love that we have for the Lord and we felt he put her on our heart. But at the same time, I wonder looking back, was it more for her than, than for serving the Lord? Sometimes we can do that. Sometimes we can do it for our kids or our spouse. Let's do it for my spouse. Let's do it because it makes them happy. There's nothing wrong with that. 
maybe it's for your neighbors, maybe it's materialism, maybe it's for your parents, whatever it may be. Um, you've got your three roommates or you live by yourself um, or you live with your family and you live with two other fa- I don't know. We all have different living situations. But at the same, we need to answer the same question. Have we answered it? But as for me and my household or my oikos, we will serve the Lord. We need to know where we stand. When we make that decision to hand that household over to God, as much as it is within our ability, then it is holy. You don't have to question it. Is it enough? What, did I do this much? It's holy. So I want to pray for all of us as we try to wrestle with this. And again, I want to remind us about this, what we're doing through Lent. We're asking you not to do anything about this yet, but to pray over the body, to pray over our relationships, to pray over our house. And the next week, it's the mind. And pray over all these things and then come back to God who owns everything and say, okay, which one should I work on? Because you can't work on all of them. It's impossible. We're just not that good. But ask him as the owner of the house, what do you want me to work on? What needs to be remodeled right now? In the, we'll do it in phases, but what phase comes next? So let me pray for us. Father, um, I just prayed for us. So no need for me to repeat myself. I think you got it the first time. We ask that you would give us patience and you would give us confidence in your greatness. And I love the idea that Easter is at the end of Lent. And I think of you saying in Revelation, I make all things new. We surrender to that truth. We surrender to you and we put our weight into your promises. And we're excited to see what you want to do. And give us an opportunity to share our stories. The La Casa guys got to share their stories. Give us an opportunity to share the stories of what we've seen you do in our life and through our households. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before I dismiss you, one thing I I forgot to say. We're going to be back here, which you know we're here next week, and then we're back at the harbor after that. Um, But for La Casa, um, we are now, there's going to be... There's one bed open now, and there will be two at the end of the summer. So if you know a guy uh, that's either out of college or just finishing that's out of place and you want him to apply, uh, he can. And also we're starting a new thing for those um, in college age. They don't have to be in college, um, but people that are at that age that want to work alongside La Casa, we're going to have an internship for that too. And our goal right now is two guys and two girls because we can't have girls living in the house as we've shared before, I was like, what's the big deal? Guys and girls. But those who are much wiser than me said that's a very dumb idea. So, But we still want to have a way for women who are called to this, to this internship, to this experience, want to give them that opportunity. So um, if you know someone, let us know and especially let them know.